Good evening, Delmar. How are you? I'm fine, Wayne. How are you? Glad to have you. Actually, it's glad to be here right now. Your roots go back to the 70s, and you've been rocking crowds since the early days of New York's legendary dance clubs. And you also developed a, a liking for music at the age of 13. Oh, yes, um, because I've been playing from the time I was a teenager. I come from a musical family. Al Brown was my father. He happened to pass away in 1996. He was a band leader. But he was also a radio personality back in the days on WHBI 105.9. Mm-mm. So that's what got me into wanting to be a radio personality like him. And I used to go on there with him, more or less being his assistant. And that's what got me started into yeah. the broadcasting realm. In 2000, you were installed to the official Hall of Fame of the Disco Step-by-Step website. Yes, um, courtesy of Marty Angelo. Wow. He had this process where if you were as a DJ into the game for 25 years, you were automatically installed from your years of work into the Disco DJ Hall of Fame. So that was a big thing for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And you were named Celebrated Mixmaster for the WKTU Studio 54 Clubhouse as well. Yes, they had a lot of mixed masters. Um, Joe Causey had a program, Brooklyn's own Joe Causey. So it was a segment of his show that happened on Sundays between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So he would have himself a show, and then he would feature mixed masters, different mixed masters along the line on the show. And I was one of the featured mixed masters on that program. And 2005, you were one of the best DJs through an induction into the Discotech Pioneers Hall of Fame. Well, what happened was when Disco Step by Step came up with their process through Marty Angelo. He decided to bow out and get into something else on a personal side for him. So when the Discotech Hall of Fame came out, that was another induction, sort of like a connection with Disco Step by Step, but -hmm. it still amounts to the same thing. But it makes it more honorable because if you look at my start, which might have happened in 1976, I kind of got in installed in that a year earlier so it kind of works itself out but it definitely goes hand in hand with the disco tech hall of fame Mm-mm. and tell me about the winter music conference you've been doing that since 2009 i believe now what happened with the 2009 that was my first opportunity to play at the winter music conference in miami florida in the states Mm-mm. and that was interesting with that because it enabled me to do not only at that time i was doing a project with Carolyn Harding, I did her album, I did a mixtape for her, Mm -hmm. and we all went on tour together. So that was how it became the first time that I performed at WMC for an event that she had at a ranch in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. So that led me to go on consecutive trips to play in Miami from 2009 until 2017, where I became a panelist on a radio panel. And that was very good. Shout out to um, John D'Angelo, who gave me that opportunity in 2017 Mm-mm. to be on a panel there in Miami for the final time in 2017. So I thought it was great. 2019, you were then invited to spin at the Amsterdam Dance Event Aid. You're one of 100 top-rated house and EDM DJs. You know what it was? What happened was we had a list of DJs who happened to play for um, 
Amsterdam's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. It was a marathon of DJs. I happened to be one of two um, United States DJs. And the reason why they say the top 100, because I was one of two in the top listing of DJs of the 100, mm-hmm. which means that when they showed the views of how many times my video got viewed from my set, Mm-hmm. It was over 2,100 times. Wow. So I was definitely among the top five for sure. You know, I was only behind a person who was a resident in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So think about it. I was the top rated U.S. DJ viewed at the dance at the um, Amsterdam dance event in 2019 at that time. For AD, um, Amsterdam's most wanted. We can talk about COVID because we've been in lockdown for, well, we've just come out of lockdown. It was over two years. 2020, you were part of the 108 soul team playing music from your backyard in new york city i take it that that went ahead during covid yeah well what happened with that in 2020 and this was around the time covid came along an opportunity presented itself i used to play on cyber jams internet radio and i got to thank them for giving me a platform for five years up until that time an opportunity presented itself to go on a new radio station in new york and it so happens it was 108 Soul, the soul of New York. They presented me the opportunity because what, I, I, what we were deciding to do at that time was to be able to give a platform for people to listen to, not more or less on the terrestrial radio, but being that everything was being streamed. People was doing live streams during that time. This gave people an alternative to hear a broadcast. So it presented itself. I gave them a show. I brought my BK basement platform to them and it just worked us, you know, worked itself out. So I've been on 108 Soul since June 2020 and it's been ongoing ever since. It's been great. Awesome. And you host a weekly show called the BK Basement. Um, oh, yeah. That, I, yeah. It's been great because I've been doing this BK Basement show since 2008. So I've been consistently on numerous stations go on and on since 2008 so i've had this show almost a thousand shows since 2008 and all my programs are live it must be hard work for you it's not hard is i like doing things off the fly i like giving folks who like to listen to not only dance music i don't give it to a limited genre i give you all scopes beyond the scope of house music because i always believe blends are essential so that's my motto, so I can be able to give y'all some greatness beyond the scope of house music. Mm-hmm. It's all about the music and the connection because you're part of the movement. And going back to the beginning, where and when did your love affair begin with house and disco music? The disco music thing, as I mentioned before, it came from being an aficionado because of my father. My father used to have his own radio show, The Al Brown Show, on WHBI 105.9. And when he used to take me for tapings of his show, I felt that that's what I wanted to do. You know, people back in those days wanted to either be a garbage man, a milkman, a different type of job, work a trade. I felt that I wanted to be a disc jockey, courtesy of him. He, he ventured out in music in so many different ways as a music arranger, as a person who had folks coming to our home, different artists like Full Force or Luther Vandross. We had so many different people come over our house for music lessons Mm -hmm. with my father. And that's when I knew I wanted to do this DJ thing. So that was my love affair for being disco because 
playing disco music, as you already know, it was a very small window for disco. Mm. People didn't understand that most of those disco records came international, which was an import to us versus domestic to us. Yes. So I felt that when the Sarones came out, Love and Kisses, Love and C Minor, El Coco, Coco Motion, those type of records, I've always loved the disco era on a deep tip. So to me, I felt that this is what I wanted to do. Um, man, I could go on and on. Mm -hmm. Ultimate, yes. Love is the Ultimate. Mm -hmm. All those records that came out, Casablanca records. All those different labels, I knew this is what I wanted to do as a teenager. Describe to our listeners what disco and house music is. Disco and house. People always have their own definition of house music. But in my eyes, it was a derivative from R&B music and disco music leading into the electronic era in the early 80s. So house music, even though the deeper definition from it was short from the warehouse in Chicago because mm. it was club, certain sounds or tones that came from the music really came from the stuff in the New York sound mm. because of the fact that you, if anybody listened to certain records that was domestic to us but import to y'all guys, that sound was... After disco, but it was considered house. So why house music is the way it is right now with the different subgenres of music from soulful to funky house, jack and house, new disco, Afro house. It's more technical sense to sell the songs right now. I mean, we could get deeper in that, but the truth of the matter is house music is a derivative from the early days of disco to what we have right now. And can you uh, remember the very first house and disco tracks you ever bought? One of the first records that I bought as a youngster, and this is back in the days when you would get allowance and something. One of my first records I bought was Soul Makusa, mm -mm. Manu Dibango on Fiesta Records. I bought it as a 45, mm -mm. which was considered an import. So that was one of the first records that I bought as a child because the record shop was right up the block. So you could go up the block and everything and go and go buy a record and things like that. And I do remember that was one of the first records I bought. Mm -mm. But not only that, everything from the early days on South Soul Records, like 10% um, by Double Exposure, Love Thing by First Choice, anything like I mentioned before, Sarone Love and C Minor, Love and Kisses, I Found Love. Those are records who, which were staples in my life. In the early days, the disco for me. Don't you miss those days where you used to go to the, the shop and buy something that was physical, where nowadays it's all MP3 and WAV files? Truth be told, you can still purchase vinyl because there's a record shop called A1 in Manhattan over on 6th Street between Avenue A and 1st Avenue, mm. things like that. It wasn't, you know, too hard. I would say, was it between Avenue A and 1st? Yes, Avenue A and 1st. So... When you start looking at places to go, you could still go to the record shop and physically grab a piece of vinyl. You can look in the section and look for what you want. It might be a little bit more pricey now, mm -hmm. depending on what you're looking for. But you see, here's the thing. I held on to my record collection. So it's not like I'm behind on too much. You know? mm -hmm. So I still have my vinyl connect collection. I'm able to take my recordings I record them, master them, 
And it sounds just almost the same as it was the real vinyl. Of yeah. course, you know, vinyl was warm, mm. but you, you have to be able to adjust to the times. Indeed. Based on the source, on how you express yourself with the music. Can you explain what the club culture was like back in the day? Being that, I will always say, going to the underground clubs, but going to the Paradise Garage, which was something I was going to from 1981 to 1987. Mm. The scene was basically underground, but then you have to always find out how can I be able to purchase those songs from what you hear in the clubs. And then you would go to places like Vinyl Mania, shout out to Charlie Grappone, that was his shop and everything where you would purchase those underground songs. But also I went to Pegasus and Leviticus, those clubs that was more or less for the R&B disco era. So in the early 80s, it was a different type of vibe for appreciating the music, but it was all about connecting with your friends or making new friends, and it was different. But as a DJ, at that time, I was trying to get a one-up on people and get the record. It was all about getting the song, going to the record shop and purchasing it, and being able to play. And in those days, it wasn't me playing in the clubs. It was more or less playing in halls. I played at Paragon Hall. That was one of the first places I played at in 1981 in Brooklyn, New York, Bed-Stuy. And it was a different type of thing being in my early 20s and learning this game. Mm. And I would have never been able to get there if it wasn't for my mother and father taking me in the car, packing the equipment physically. You know, when you're taking your speakers, yes, homemade yes. speakers, and then you put them in the back seat of the car and you get to where you had to go was different because all I was just trying to do was getting in, just being a DJ to get a chance to be known. And that was my aim at that time. Mm. You uh, talk about your dad being a big influencer for your becoming a DJ. Was there anybody else that influenced you and inspired you? Did you meet Frankie Knuckles? I met Frankie Knuckles at an event in the early 2000s. It was the Billboard Dance Music Summit. We met in either 2004 or 2005, but I would say it was 2004. Mm -mm. It was at the Mark Ballroom. So we had a, a summit called the Billboard Dance Music Summit. All the DJs got in and we performed at that time. And it wasn't a bad thing, but it was just you get a, a rare chance to meet people that you hear about. And that was the interesting time meeting Frankie Knuckles at that time. He took a picture with me. It's on my page and my social media. Mm, yes. We'll talk about how to, how to reach me on social media down the road. But the whole thing about it is that time was great. No, you paid your money to go to these dance music summit, sort of like the panels at the Winter Music Conference in Miami or Amsterdam Dance Event in Amsterdam. It's the same type of vibe, but this was done in New York mm. for two years in a row. And the thing about it that was interesting about meeting Frankie Knuckles, I mean, he was a very, you know, soft-spoken guy, very nice man, very intelligent, talented man. Mm. And who would ever thought something like that, I would have met him in that type of fashion, took a photo together, shared some stories, and then I gave him his respect for what he's done for the music industry. What are your views regarding the current state of house music as it stands at the moment? Where we are right now in the current state of house music, and the reason why I'm saying everybody getting a chance to really put something together, this is the time when you can really introduce yourself in this scene. It's COVID. So even though you're locked down, 
you can take advantage of the tools that you are given to get into production. You can find your way to do something else. I've always said this in my live conversations with folks on the net mm-hmm. during my show, the BK basement. You can be able to do something. And I think the state of house music is at a great place right about now because people are starting to come out. If they was in hiding for a couple of years, they're definitely taking advantage of this opportunity to branch out. Everything opened up in New York pretty much this summer. You started seeing a lot of DJs get the outdoor events because basically, you know, they wasn't letting people to come in indoors in events, so you had to go outdoors. And it wasn't until the indoors, which is of recent times, yes. you started getting a chance to see different people play. Had a chance to see um, Carrie Chandler play for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that alone was something else. So, truth be told, Wayne, the state of house music is definitely on the road towards greatness again. I was going to ask about Studio 54, you, you being in New York. Did you ever venture down to Studio 54? Well, what happened was when I was going to the Paradise Garage in this early stages, once the garage closed, they started bringing an event to the old Studio 54 and Larry LeVan started to um, go back into the music at the time. This was in the early 90s. I would say this was 1991. So I can say I had a chance to visit the club in that capacity to see what the nostalgia was all about Mm -hmm. because I was kind of young at that time. And I didn't get the chance to go to Studio 54 in its early stages, but I was able to visit the club once it reopened and other events was going on, especially when Larry wound up playing in the final years of his life. Mammoth sets yeah. that he used to play as well, all vinyl. It must have been uh, oh, yeah. an amazing um, experience and you know, to get into Studio 54. Oh, yeah. And when you get a chance to see certain things, the club was so big, it was just the the whole atmosphere, how the ceilings and everything, being that it was in a form of theater and mm-hmm. things like that, you had a chance to really understand what it was about. And you know what happens? Like once the garage closed in 1987, you had to try to find a place to go. Yes. And that's when music, of course, took its change. You was at the sort of tail end of that type of house, which came in Chicago, but then everything started to change. And once we got into what you call that 90s house, you started hearing a whole lot of vocals. Uh, it was a different things that you had to do. So it was just a matter of making the best of the situation, going to the Palladium. These are clubs that you went to in New York, the Palladium at the time. Mm. So I thought that was really exciting. Uh, what keeps you motivated after all this time and what are the ups and downs? The motivation is to be able to continue to do a show online via way of audio doing the BK basement podcast. As long as I'm able to get the music to the folks, mm-hmm. they get a chance to find out who I am and what I stand for. Yeah. So yeah. the motivation is knowing that people like yourself can get to be able to tune me at your disposal, being able to have a podcast to hear my shows come to you and knowing that y'all guys get to appreciate it. We always staying in touch. So as I've always mentioned, it's about the music and the connection yeah, and your yeah. part. If you could open a show for anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? I wouldn't mind being an opener for, let's say, Jovan, um, Victor Seminelli, Mm-mm. people like that. 
Because I've always been a DJ who has been fortunate enough to play the set before everyone else. Like I played before Jahad Muhammad. I played in front of Joe Vaughn, Ellie Escobar, Tommy Sunshine, well. Quentin Harris. I've done, I played alongside, as we call it, to those guys. There's been so many more. Eric Kupper, shout out to John Martin, who provided this subculture thing that I was able to open up for these guys. Believe me, it's nobody specific because I can open up for anybody. Mm -mm. Yeah. Have you ever dealt with performance anxiety? Oh, wow. That's funny. You know what it is? You get that feeling when you get ready to play a gig, that nervous feeling. You know, you feel like your stomach might go into a knot, but I'm ready once it gets started mm -hmm. because you're so anxious for the event to go. Yes. Over-prepare. If you over-prepare yourself for a gig, I get a rush, though, when I know the next night I have to play the set. So I wind up waiting last minute to put my music together yep. to get the play. That's just a very bad habit I get. I guess I get a, a great idea of that rush. That rush turns me on. Do you plan your, your sets beforehand or are they done spontaneously? A lot of that depends on what's about to happen. Let's say I got a gig getting ready to come up next month. So my birthday is next month. November 16th is my birthday. Mm -hmm. The set I'll be playing will be on November 17th. I want to give them something different. So I'll prepare myself by setting myself up for the energy. I know I have a 60-minute set. i got a one-hour set. So I'll set myself up, not deep in preparation, but try to give people a lot of new. I'll play some of my tracks yep. and play everybody else's tracks, give you a great gumbo, and do my best to make the best of the situation. Do you have any uh, favorite performance venues that you played at? Mm. Playing at Starview was nice, but I could say the memorable events that I played in my lifetime. I played at the Brooklyn Museum where I did their disco party, mm -hmm. which turned out to be one of the last disco parties they had before things started to chain on how they had certain DJs there. So I played at the Brooklyn Museum. I played at NJ Pack, which is the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, mm -hmm. that type of thing. I played that four times. Um, I did the DJ Expo in New Jersey twice. Wow. Playing at WMC, went to music conferences in Miami all those years. Mm. Didn't matter what the venue was. It was the idea of playing. But I can say the dream came true. 2019, when I played in Amsterdam, Amsterdam dance event, to me, that was my biggest venue all time what advice would you give somebody who wants to follow in your footsteps number one you have to have an aspiration to excel you have to know this is what you want to do you have to really be serious about it you can't say this is a hobby you have to be dedicated practice makes perfect you have to say to yourself well, what type of dj i want to be do i want to have a radio show do i want to just do a podcast where I give people content. You have to know your place in the music business, what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And don't just stay in one sun genre of music. I've always said to people, don't be just soulful. This is just real talk I'm saying to you, Wayne. Don't focus on one subgenre of music. Mm -hmm. yes, Try to be able to be diverse and play everything because you never know who might be listening. 
That's my advice to folks. And you'll be a successful person. Somebody's going to find you. Just dedicate yourself in your craft and you will be successful. If you could change anything about the music industry as it is at the moment, is there anything you change? What I would change is in people's approach. Understand what this is about. It might be a virtual world. You have to come to the conclusion and the understanding that this is a young person's game. The, the attention span is very minimal. So you can't go into it to bore people. You have to have an energy level because people like energy. They want to hear something different. They don't want to be comfortable. They don't want to hear the same old, same old. So what I would change is to be able to provide a better musical expression so we all can enjoy it and I can keep y'all guys interested. Do you mentor people, you know, who want to be a DJ? Do they come to you and say, teach me what you do? What they do is a lot of people, and I tell people, you can always hit me backstage. You can always hit me online. If you have a question, I tell people in my live that you can be able to ask any question that you want. Mm -hmm. I try to provide the best of it because of my experiences. Everybody's experience is different. Mm -hmm. So I find it very important that a person has to understand and know because they love to listen to what I have to say because I'm telling them the truth about what happens in the industry. Mm, I yeah. don't sugarcoat anything. I'm only saying it based on my experience. You can get bamboozled in this game. Mm. You don't put yourself in a position and have to sell yourself to the devil or sell your soul to the devil. I think that's the problem that people go into this music thing. They figure they have to do things, turn tricks, do other things just to get put on. Yeah. No, there's too many clicks out there, Wayne. It's everywhere. There's a click especially in New York. There's a lot of cliques out there. If you know somebody, everybody's in that same circle. Okay, we're going to put these people on to do the gig or we, they, they hope that people do favors. That's the problem that we have in the industry is the cliques. And that's what's making this musical situation real bad. Mm. So we try our best, at least for me, I try my best to educate folks, as you say, mentor them, and try to give them sound advice and understand you can make it in this business mm -hmm. if you focus on yourself and stay away from the negativity. You've got to push yourself as well. It's kind of tough out there because of the fact of when you're in this business and you have not only an agenda, you have a focus, but sometimes things happen. It could be health related. It could be monetary it's not working the way that you want it. You might have to change the way your direction is. So what you do is you sit back, always have a conversation with who you believe in. And if you have that conversation, whether it's, your, you know, who you love, who you like, someone who's close to you, believe in the Lord, whoever you believe in. These are the relationships that you got to have to make because mm -hmm. people would rather see you down than see you up, especially those who are on the negative side. So being that you're making it right now, look what's happening with you. Me and you kicking it right now live. You, UK, I'm in New York. We're having a conversation. Mm. This is how you build relationships. Indeed. And that's what the key to it. a lot of people are not interpersonal with your DJ compadres. They don't be able to have that connection. So it's only fitting that we have to be able to communicate and find out what you got going on. What's next for you?
These are things. It's good to develop the relationship. It might be musically. We all are acquaintances in this business, but we want to graduate to being friends. So it's good to offer some sound advice because maybe what worked for you might work for me and vice versa. It's just words. It just gives you an insight on what to do. You'll be successful. You just got to be able to take a chance. That's all. Just take a chance. Name four things you would never be able to live without. I could never live without making new friends, Mm -hmm. which is number one. Can't live without the music. Can't live without saying a prayer to God for getting me through another day. Mm -hmm. And can't live without my family. I find that if you have all those elements together, you got yourself a whole bowl of love. And I feel it's very important just to be able to wake up and see the new day, find out what's my next musical project, and find out who's the next friend I'm going to meet. You're the next friend. Great answers. Now it's your time to advertise. Any upcoming shows where people can find you? Every Sunday, I am on the net. I'm on www.108soul.com, the BK Basement with yours truly, Delmar Brown with the knees, the soul of New York. So that's 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time, which is one o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the morning, UK time. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get me. If you happen to miss me live, because we know it's on the dark side and people got to catch their Z's over there in the UK. Mm -hmm. Always love my UK people. You can always catch a podcast. I'm on a podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'm also on iHeartRadio. But you can catch me on soundcloud.com forward slash Delmar Brown with an E. And that's how you'll be able to hear me whenever you're ready. Also, the social media, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Delmar Brown with an E is all the same. And the website, realdelmarbrownwithane.com. New songs is out. My catalog, I got tracks out on Apple Music, on Track Source. On Beatport, you can find me, Delmar Brown with the knee. I'm out there. Carol says hello. Carol Gianni, what's going on? She's always been a favorite of mine from not only back in the days, she is an evolution. Indeed. You tell I said that. Well, it's been fabulous talking to you, Delmar. Yeah, definitely the same to you, Wayne. I mean, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to hearing more from you, not only in interview mode, but what you do on Disco Queen. Shout out to Carol Gianni once again. But also, I wish you continued success now and beyond. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for this interview. You're very welcome. Be safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.